Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 228 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's episode, we are back in the media pit with Elizabeth, Zach, and Michael, and we are talking about Nova Mesto, the short track racing, and also the cross country racing. We only had time really to talk about the elite races, so I, I know that there were some great performances in the U23s, especially big shout out to uh, North America with a strong finish in the U23 men's race with Carter Woods taking the win, Riley Amos coming in second. Those are definitely names that we're going to be talking about a lot in the future, but for this episode and to keep it under like 18 hours, we just focused on the elites. If you have a moment, and you're liking the content that we're doing here on Cyclocross Radio, please head over to WideAnglePodium.com. Check out the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. Please check out all of the other shows. Everybody's doing awesome work. Um, I'd love for you to subscribe to all of them. And then think about becoming a member. Go up to the Donate button on the Wide Angle Podium page. There's more information on how to do that. You get to choose the uh, shows that you want to support, like this one here, Cyclocross Radio. Just hit the little check button. Also, if you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, head on over to the CX Harris Bulletin. That is the newsletter that Zach and I produce. We took a little break after cyclocross season, but we are right into the World Cup mountain bike season. Zach's been doing some awesome race recaps. I got some power rankings that are going to be up there soon. Go to cxhairs.substack.com. Sign up, become a subscriber, and get all of the written content you need. Okay, let's get to the show. We are in the media pit with Elizabeth and Michael and Zach and myself, and we're talking about Nova Mesto, and we're doing that right now. We are back in the media pit with Zach and Elizabeth and Michael. How's it going? Bill, I'm a little bit embarrassed. You know, I don't think I was organized organized enough last week because we totally dropped the ball on Wout Van Aert and his appendicitis. How do we not talk about that? Well, isn't he, Zach, capital B, capital A, capital C, capital K now? I didn't want to do this. Oh no! But I'm gonna do it. What? Like, what is he back from? He didn't go anywhere. Like, I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know, Bill. I don't know if you're allowed to be the arbiter of backness. Can I just say that? Can I just come Becky, out and say that? Becky has been in your head. She's gotten in your head. Oh, but like, so he was sick, but like, he didn't go away. He didn't miss any races. I mean, he shut it. You know, it was actually a perfectly timed appendicitis. I'm just yeah, shedding grams for the tour. Right, that's a that's a very extreme way, but I, you know we know that um, George Bennett did that method, and we'll see how it works out. His fellow teammate on Yumbo Vismo uh, lost a rib, so yeah. But I don't know. Wow, he, they don't like. I try to do a little digging. There's not a lot of money. Like, did he actually get his append- appendix removed or shedding like, grams, like Elizabeth said? Yeah, I mean, you got to go for okay, it if you. Right. I mean, if you got the chance to get a vestigial organ removed, you just you got to go for it. I'm <laughs> I'm surprised. Like I'm surprised road racers don't just. But like you know what, just take my appendix out. Like that's four grams I don't need or whatever. Like just get rid of it. 
It's like the Cinderella stepsisters method, you know, just chop off the pinky toes. You don't need them. You got to fit in the shoes somehow. <laughs> just lose some weight. Fly up the hills. Sorry, that's like the German fairy tale version of uh, Cinderella. <laughs> I'm German, in case you didn't know that. Wunderkind. Was, uh, mm-hmm. Yes. We didn't actually talk about it last week. My dad is, was born like really close to Alpstadt. I have cousins who live like five kilometers from the Alpstadt course. Well, have you been? I have. So have you been to a mountain bike race there? I have not been to the mountain bike race there. I have been to that part of Germany and visited family numerous times. Unfortunately, never during the mountain bike race. Okay, well, next year you got to go. I know. I really want to do this. Live reportage on the mountain bike radio. So into it. So using white, wow, is a good transition to the mountain bike race and we're going to talk about. I came up with a theory this, this weekend watching the races and been like, you know, we've got Pidcock, we've got Picante, we've got Vanderpool. You know, we're just missing wow. And I realized the reason what wow is not racing mountain bikes because you can only master three bikes. So wow has chosen the time trial bike instead of the mountain bike. Hence, that's why we don't have wow in any mountain bike races. That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. I'll take uh, comments off. The so air. this is this isn't the like the three things pick two. This is like four things pick three. This is no. Okay. This is you can just only fit four bikes in your quiver. Okay. Three, three, sorry, three bikes. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, man, I really, I, like I really this. hate to see what happens when he's commuting around town. Then I mean, for all of these guys, <laughs> like, is it just like a train wreck? I like that though, Michael. That is a good theory, and I think we need to explore that. I like that theory, and it's probably one worth exploring. Well, I think there may be some evidence to this, Zach, that you actually pointed out in Vanderpool's bike, his new mountain bike, where just from that that condensing of only being able to be good at certain things, that they actually had a picture of him on his cyclocross bike as a graphic on his mountain bike. So we'll get to this. I was thinking about this. I think okay. we'll we'll get to this um, so the, the, when we talk. Teaser. Huh? That's a teaser. Yeah, so we'll get this, but like um, I was thinking back uh, about this, and I did uh, an interview with Chris Blevins after he won the U23 race in Reno Nationals, and the big move there is last lap, he was with Eric Brunner, and he did the thing of hopping the stairs and then rode away and he was he's done other cool stuff like he like hopped up a bunch of stairs and like you know he's like playing basketball on his cross bike or whatever and i was like chris you know why like you ride a mountain bike you're amazing but like why why does this this stuff just seem so much cooler on a cross bike you know because you don't just necessarily see people putzing around on a mountain bike and he was like oh you know i think it's because it's like not made for that and I think so with the Vanderpool doing whips, uh, it just looks cooler on a cyclocross bike because you're like, what? Like, you know, it, it looks like a road bike. It's got it's got drop bars, um, you know, whereas a mountain bike is kind of optimized to do cool whips and stuff like that. So that's that was an interesting thing that he brought up. And it's always kind of stuck with me even several years later. Well, and not everybody can whip a bike. So if you can whip a cross bike, like definitely most of a cross field can't whip a bike so the ones who can get points for doing it and it looks extra cool i do have a bit of a wrinkle in the three bikes only theory because vanderbilt is really good on a bmx bike too Ugh, really yeah okay he did that as a kid and is like legit super good at it still so i'll 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 update the rule is that professionally Mm. you can't master three bikes um, so if he wants to go into BMX and maybe go to the Olympics in 2025 20, or whatever, 24, 
on BMX, he's going to have to drop one of the other bikes. I mean, it's really a shame that like, you know, his bike handling is not very good and he's never really focused on it. Just think of how good, good he could be. Uh, on that note, so we had a, yeah, so we had, we had the second World Cup back to back, two in a row. We were, uh, shout out to our friends at the Slow Ride podcast. We were not at Nova Mesto. We're at Nova Actually, I can't say it. Novia, Novia well, that, Mesto. That's the problem. It's it sounds like Nova Mesto. That's fine. You, it's just not spelled like like um like like, like, the like science television program or an oasis. I was going to yes. say like an oasis song, but that uh, television program works too. So we uh we in talking about this, I guess there were uh, we had some changes in the short track course, and I think in the uh, um, the mountain bike corner green room was brought up that there's some different takes. Uh, so it was a longer course. Uh, there was a longer climb. They kind of did that. Uh, the, I guess it's the paved climb where they do the really cool shots where they're like dragging the camera along. But then it goes into like not like a straight up climb, but still it was uphill through the single track. They had the rock garden. It narrowed up. It was much longer. And it seems like the, some controversy in terms of what people had to say about that setup for short track. So initially, I mean, I think, you know, initially I was not super stoked on it. Um, It was still fun to watch for sure. So don't don't get me wrong. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I think there were like lots of good takeaways from it. I thought, you know, the men's race stayed together pretty well. The women's race really spread out. I think there's a little bit of an apples and oranges comparison there based on how people did on the course. But there were a couple features in it that I think like, kind of took some of the short track flair out of it for me. Um, They came into the rock garden so slow um, because even in the, in the cross country or the Olympic distance course, they come into that same rock garden with a lot of speed uh, because they're coming from a much longer descent. And with the short track course, they kind of come in sort of almost halfway down and kind of awkwardly and, it was just sort of by necessity going to split things up a little differently for safety because you can't come through there with a pack in quite the same way. And I think, you know, a couple times in the men's race, it did still end up being some pretty exciting passes in or near that. Um, but, and I don't know, I mean, I ultimately, I'm a much bigger fan of the Olympic distance racing anyway uh, than I am of short track, but kind of love the fun conceit of short track being this different short tighter racing medium so by the end of the men's race I had kind of warmed up to it being all right and it was obviously a great finish to the men's race as well um but I'm still gonna give it a meh overall uh I think the the course from Nova Mesto short track from previous years was way better and that's that's kind of what I was saying you know, when we were talking about the Alpstadt track and I was saying, well, it's okay because next week we get real short track racing because it's going to be wide open. And Elizabeth, I, I think you made some really good points there that that rock and roll section that they're going through that, that they all had a single file for. One, it was raining. So it, it, there was extra caution taken just because it's, they ride it unbelievably and they just fly over it. But if you, if you look at it, if you're on the ground, it's a crazy section and they're, you know, you see like juniors and stuff trying that in practice and they, they don't get it. And if you saw like the back of the U23 fields, which we don't get to see, there are people off their bikes carrying 
them over that section because they just don't know how to ride it. So it's not an easy section to ride. And it also, in this race, like you said, they're coming, they're going up that climb that Zach talked about, and then they added some more elevation and then they loop back around. So you already have to go slower and it's your first chance at recovery as opposed during the cross country race, you're going through the whole ACDC section. It's this big, long descent going in there. So you're already recovered and, and hitting the gas at that point going into the, into the, into the final Zach, I, I understand where you're going with that. It was exciting racing and it, 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 it shook it out, but you know, it, we, we had a couple of our North American racers who, uh, we're pretty upset about this. And, and, and it, it's finally the chance where the North Americans can say, this is, this is our culture and our history that you are, that you are ruining Europeans by turning <laughs> our sport of short track into this mini cross country race. And is this our trad mountain bike? And I kind of agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are, is this, are we being serious? Like, cause we talked about how like short track is viewed as the American thing, but we never have short track in America. So are you being facetious or are no, you no, saying I'm not, that and we do, we do. It's just that the races haven't have disappeared. I'm saying there, it used to be, there still is a strong short track tradition in the U S and in North America. Canadians are awesome at this. You see Cana- the Canadians show up they it, I, you've always referred to them as like the either the either the the fourth line or the you know the sort of canadian mafia and you get them in benelli and they're just they're just bullies you know and they're on the front and it's it's like a crit and they're just controlling it and you know i think it was bouchard wasn't it him that was complaining about this as as well for for nova mesto i mean that's that's what they that's what we love doing when we're racing in north america and it it does it does it's it does change it i think into more of a euro fo- focused sport and and yeah I, I i wish it i wish it would would have been wide open i think what we saw last year there you know you look at evie evie crashes with one to go this year she doesn't get up and win that race if if it's the course from from this year well and that's i mean that's what happened with, with loana like she crashed going into the last lap in yep. the same spot where evie crashed right. last year and she couldn't recover from it. So, Bill, you presuppose that I was going to say it was exciting, but I did say, did think it was exciting. And here's why. So I'm going to do a crossover to another Wide Angle Podium podcast called Nowhere Fast that I do with, uh, talk about fake virtual racing. And one of the things that we always come back to is the problem with Zwift racing is that there's no breakaways. It's just a big blob. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter if you attack. It doesn't matter what you do. Like literally 80% of these races just come down to a blob sprint where you nothing happens. And I guess that's part of like, I was, so I went back and watched um, the old uh, Nova Masto short track races. And there was one really good one where Vanderpool dropped everyone and it was Vanderpool soloing away. But it seems like last year you just had like 20 riders within like 10 seconds of each other, you know, going into the last lap. And to me, it's I don't find I know a lot of people find that, quote unquote, compelling. And maybe it's because I've come to it as a journalist who had to tell stories about these races. But like there's no story to tell. It's like there was a blob and someone won the sprint like you know, where this created compelling moments that you could tell the story. I mean, I ended up writing like 1500 words about two short track races about this because like the last lap was incredible. Like, you know, there was, um, 
like going into the single track, like Avancini comes out of nowhere and Pitcock's like, nope, I'm going to out sprint you to that spot. Like that's bike racing. You had Pitcock picking different lines to try to get around Vanderpool. That was to me was compelling, not a big blob. And it doesn't kind of, you know, it's the first one who sprints off the bridge is maybe going to win, but maybe not. So that's, I don't know. I, I think creating the pinch points, but Elizabeth, I think you did make a good point that like the rock garden could have gone that maybe like a little less techie features, but maybe more pinch points where there is that race within the race where positioning matters versus like, Oh, Evie can fall down. And to be fair, she was in first. So her positioning did matter in that race. She was in front. She fell down. Uh, LeCompte's problem is had LeCompte been in front of Haley, different story but she totally different which story, is right yeah. it's one of those moments where like you don't think positioning matters in a situation like that but it ended up mattering <laughs> yeah well and i think i mean there is definitely in the men's race a couple of moments that are really really wonderful and really exciting and i think and i think it is it really does come down to i don't think that rock garden belonged in the course especially in those conditions in the way it was um but yeah, that where there's the the moment where Avancini's like setting up to attack and Vanderpool attacks and then Pidcock comes around. It's like that's beautiful. Like that is some cool racing. Um, because you have three people who are really strong all trying to figure out at the same moment who, you know, they all have the instinct to go at the same place. They all go from slightly different positions in that pack. And and then also, like, Pidcock's downhill pass is ridiculous. Like, super sketchy, amazing, ridiculous pass to make going downhill fast. I was going to say just that I, I maybe coming from more of a road racing background, I like that there is a bit of a different racing style, you know, on Friday from Sunday. So I, I like... I do like the maybe the more the more blobby style because it's completely different than what you have on Sunday. And I like that you see different riders shine, although this weekend maybe it didn't really matter and all the best riders will win whatever tile of race you, you throw at them. So I don't know. But I, I, it, was, it was interesting to sort of try to see how much it, it was changed. And I was like, I saw your tweet, Elizabeth, and I was like, okay. Uh, let me let me see. Let me see what's changed. I was I was excited to see that. I guess my my one argument to that that Zach, what you're saying about the exciting points of this race, you know, Pitcock's great pass when he went low and everybody went high, is that if you make it into a single track, those two those two don't exist. Those two opportunities don't exist. That they, that was wide enough at that point that that kind of action was possible, where you did get to the rocks and then it just sort of stopped. You know, and that's. And, well, and, I'm just saying, don't out. make it like, I mean, I, the old Nova Mesto course is basically a, I mean, it's like a fat bike crit with more turns. I mean, there's really nothing technical. So I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, f- narrow it up a little, I don't know, whatever it was, like the climb was long enough to be a difference maker. I mean, that's the other thing too, is, you know, uh, it was, I guess we'll get to this. It was interesting watching Vanderpool in 19 when he just snapped everyone on that climb. Uh, he couldn't do it this year. Um, and I think in part because it is a shorter climb that when you add a little bit of length to it, it puts a little premium. We saw in the women's race, especially that that was able to kind of break apart. But uh, we can talk about how eventually I don't Vanderpool just doesn't well, look the same. Saying, like, like, I don't know. It's weird seeing him back then and seeing him now and seeing him not have the snap. And I don't know. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen him have it all year dating back to cyclocross season. Too much, too much road racing. Too many miles. Stole this, stole his knife, 
edge. I was going to say that with Nova Mesa, the short track, I mean, maybe it wasn't the old course wasn't technical, but we saw some of the biggest crashes happen in that little whoop section. Was it like a PFP went down? And then what last year was it Eva Lechner who went down there? So I don't know. That's kind of a, and that was also like just a, that was a, a crazy crash for PFP to see on the Friday before, I mean, the Friday before the, the, the race on Sunday. And, um, kind of scary because she got taken out on a, on a on a backboard and a neck brace and but there she was on sunday racing racing for the win so bill bill pfp she was back she certainly was <laughs> can we talk about the sprint though so i mean we got to see we got to see some pitters v wout sprints on the road but we haven't seen really a pitters v vanderpool a uh, lot going on there. We had some we had some excuses going on from from everybody. We had some great action. Uh, I was compelled. I very compelled. Wait, 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 Zach. I know you don't like excuses. So, what do you think about Tom saying he couldn't get into the fifteen tooth or whatever? Do you believe that? Do you think he just? I mean, he was in the moment. I could see where you're frustrated, but like, I don't know, Bill. Experience, isn't it? Inexperience. Damn it! Inexperience, isn't it? <laughs> the real inexperience in my mind, though, is blaming your mechanics. Like, not Ooh. cool, Tom. Really not cool. Like, <laughs> he's on his B-bike, the suspension isn't dialed, like, the gear, like, uh-uh. Just cut it. You can say it was inexperience. You learn something, you make a mistake, leave it at that. Do not blame your mechanics. Even to the point of I misshifted or something, you know? You know yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I was a little, that definitely stuck out to me as well in, in that post, post-race comments. I, I will say that Vanderpool, of the people we, you know, that, that you get, to hear Vanderpool genuinely respecting. I think that we are seeing that Tom Pidcock is definitely one of those. Like he doesn't get his back up at all when he talks about Pidcock. He's like, yeah, he's strong. And I know he was going to be strong and it, it feels legitimate. Maybe it's because it's, it's somebody outside of that, that Belgian crucible that he knows anything he says. And if he says anything the wrong way, it's going to be just, on every newspaper headline in the country. So maybe that it's like this British kid over here that it's, it's, it's not the same, but it was, it's sort of cool. I mean, you definitely could see that, that respect is there. And, and, you know, as we'll talk about the next day, uh, certainly warranted. Yeah. I, I think his media training is legit. Like he's, but he, he gives a good interview and even a funny one, you know, like he gets asked, so what do you do to turn things around by Sunday? And he's like, good question. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you tell me. Um, yeah, no, it, it's really, it's nice to see his sort of, I mean, it's, I'm not going to go so far as to call it a humble tone, but it's game recognizing game and, um, and, and he's having, and they're both having fun. And I think that's the coolest takeaway from Nova Mesto for me on the men's side, just in general, is that both Vanderpool and Pidcock are clearly having fun racing their mountain bikes and, Regardless of the result, Vanderpool is still like, yeah, I'm happy to be doing this. Bill, I got to want to ask a sort of general question, and this is to all you guys, and I, I kind of know the answer, but I want to bring up something I remember hearing on this the Cyclocross Mountain Bike Podcast, or where you sort of mentioned you thought that maybe you could be a Cyclocross racer and you could go to road, you could go to road and maybe go to Cyclocross, but you can't really come into mountain bike 
and challenge the the Nino Scherters of the world. And now we have Pidcock, who has just come in and completely dominated this weekend. I mean, okay, man, maybe not on, on Friday, but do you think your opinion of that has changed, or is this because it's Pidcock, and we do know he has mountain bike experience, but like he's just such a phenomenal talent. I think I think my point would be a, it's a couple things. One, it's easier to walk in the door and race a cyclocross race as either a roadie or a mountain bike racer and fake it a little bit. If you have fitness, you can fake it. I think it's much harder to be a roadie or a cyclocross racer and jump into a World Cup mountain bike and do the same. I think the difference here is that Vanderpool, with all of his moto background, I mean, the guy is like, he, he's done the classic, you know, he's out there racing his, or just riding his moto uh, on the dirt every weekend, and you're going so fast and doing such technical things that you get to mountain bike and everything just slows down. It's, it's, it's much easier, and he's put in that time. I mean, the guy has been on his mountain bike the day after cyclocross season every year since, like, 2016. You know, Pitcock's doing the same thing. So I don't think it's, I, I think that, my point is it's tough for Sven Ness to come and try to say, I'm now a mountain biker and do well. And we saw he couldn't. It's tough when Quentin Hermans and Tom Mason come and say, hey, I want to race my you know, mountain bike. And they survive, but they're not, they're not up there. These guys are serious about it, and they're legit contenders. My final part of that argument is I still will say – that I believe, and I think it's because it's an Olympic sport and it, it, it draws the cream to the top, that the athletes who are in mountain biking are, as a field, better athletes than what we see in professional cyclocross. So one thing that's definitely true about mountain biking is I think, I mean, I'm just going to make a quick general statement, um, at least of like the big three that we, we think of. <laughs> Um, I think it's the one where skills and developing skills over time um, is takes a long time, like and skills are at a much higher premium. Uh, I, I mean, I know I learned this like I was a cat two cyclocross racer and I started mountain bike racing and I was a disaster, like middle of way down in the cat two field. And I had better fitness. Like anytime there's a fitness section, I would just drop people. And it's just it's a different kind of cornering. It's a different kind of flow. You have to learn how to like move your hips and move on the bike. And um, there's just a lot more to it that you just can't do right away that I think like with cyclocross, you can cludge your way through because it's kind of a flowier turn that is marginally reminiscent of taking like a crit corner or something like that. So I think that's where you're going, Bill. But yeah, I mean, Vanderpool and how, how long has he been riding a mountain bike? It's not like he all of a sudden, uh, you know, in 2017 was like, ha I'm going to pick up a mountain bike. He's been riding that bike for a long time and, and we can, I wanted to pose this later, but, you know, Pidcock apparently was born to ride mountain bikes. So, I mean, how can you argue with that? Yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, there are a couple of pieces of evidence on the the skill building thing is that you had people like Gunrita Dalla and like Sabina Spitz who were into their 50s and still on World Cup podiums. Not because they had the aerobic capacity of a Yolanda Neff who was 21, 22 years old, but because they had insane skills and knew how to use them. And the the more skills you have, the less energy you need to use in mountain bike racing. Like that is the beautiful thing about being good at mountain bikes is the better you get at those skills, 
the easier it is to keep up with people who come in with a lot of fitness and not skills. And I think that's, you know, that that it really pays off and those instincts that are just sort of built in over time. And that's, I think, the thing with with somebody like Pidcock or Vanderpool that's doing this since they were kids that's, you know, playing around on BMX bikes, whatever the case may be on the motos, building all of that sort of fine muscle tone, those balancing muscles and those sort of instincts, which obviously translate phenomenally well to a technical cross course. And they also have all of the fitness to do it. But I think like, you know, and this is kind of, I mean, for a different season, but takes on U.S. cross courses versus Belgian cross courses. And you look at some of the stuff on Belgian cross courses and it's like, just do you have the ability to turn off the thing in your brain that says, don't do that, to go down, you know, some of the drops at Zolder or something like that or no more. Um, but, you know, if you've been on a mountain bike and you have the reaction in all of your slow, like little twitchy core muscles to balance yourself, that's going to help out tremendously in that. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be great on a mountain bike course if you're doing it the other way around. Like, I think, Bill, you're absolutely right on that. Should we talk about who won the women's uh, short track race before we move on? Yeah. Oh, my God. You guys talking about Chantel from Search Party? (laughs) Elizabeth got that one. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I was not expecting that. I just noticed it. She looks like her. Okay, she looks like the actress. She does. I don't know she her does kind of look like her. Claire Mc, McNally or something. Like that. I mean, if anyway. we're gonna be like talking pop culture references to mountain bike racing, I've got another one, which is I've been really struggling with the Trinity kit and the Santa Cruz kit. Yes, looking very similar, much like a few. One especially notorious season of RuPaul's Drag Race where it was a Madonna challenge and everybody showed up with a kimono. And there were like 12 different kimonos on the RuPaul's Drag Race runway. That's how the Trinity kit and Santa Cruz kit feel to me. And I'm confused every time until it sorts itself out. And then I figure out that's the Italian. That's Haley. Well, I was going to say, so, but like what Bill is getting to is Haley Batten has been at the front of these bike races and she was at the front of the short track race. And so the women's race broke apart pretty quickly. I mean, I think we were down to like maybe a group of five early on and then it just kind of like broke apart further and it ended up with, with Haley and uh, Lecomte. Uh, do you guys think that Batten was would have had that? Do you think like her ride last Sunday played a role in like her confidence to be that aggressive early on? I definitely do. I think she was cruising on some good feelings, um, which is great. I mean, it it she just she took to the start line of the short track with a different sort of confidence. Like she knew she belonged there, and it's. I mean, that you can't. You can't buy or train for that. That's just magic that comes from a good performance. And I think she put it to great effect. And uh, I mean, it was very, very fun to watch her look like she was knowing what she was doing, being calculated, making moves, establishing, you know, being in the front with Loana. Like, okay, is she gonna sit in? Like, no, 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 she's gonna she's gonna move to the front here and um and you know looking 
so strong going up the climb, which I think is it's an interesting sort of contrast, too, because obviously she's considerably taller than Loana and bigger. And like you look but you look at the difference in how they were climbing and, and Haley really looked like she was attacking that paved climb. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was very fun to watch. You bring that up. I've actually been really impressed with how LeCompte has raced in these short track races. I mean, because you look at her, obviously she's very strong, but like she is, it, it you know, these these climbs, like that climb is more of like a Vanderpool, a power climb, where if you are, you know, I don't know how tall Haley is, but she looks like she's what, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, you know, Vanderpool's over six feet. Like you can be good on that. Whereas, you know, LeCompte is hanging in there like you know she's she's throwing down and controlling the front of these races so I guess I've been impressed by her the diversity of her skills and it's not you can't just dismiss her and be like oh she's a climber therefore she's she's better than everyone else like she's really showed a diverse set of skills uh and I think that's why she is like I don't we'll see when Bill's power rankings come out but you know I mean you have to be looking her as the Olympic favorite right now I mean, you say she's not a climber, but she is. But she's other things, too. Well, I think Zach was saying she is a climber, right? But she's... Well, no, I, I think it would be... I think it's easy to, like... I mean, like, so you look at, like, Mitterwalner, and you look at, I don't know, I'm watching her, you know, maybe she is excels at climbing courses or what, at this point in her career or whatever. Um, but yeah, like, you know, LeCompte has shown... I think it's an incredibly impressive to be able to just absolutely destroy people at two straight courses and be in the mix in the short track race in both races I, there there is this nova mesto has one of the great kind of all-out power tests on on this course that vanderpool exploited when he beat scherter a couple years ago and it's the long sort of gravelly climb back up before the bmx bumps all the way down just sort of this twisty through the tech zone yeah through the, the exactly yeah. through the tech zone on the hill and you the person who rode that probably the best and the strongest on the weekend was lecomte she just flew up that section i mean it was insane like her pitcock also looks so smooth on there but that that's kind of that's always my test for watching people on that little sort of serpentine section because it's wide open. It's not like a huge climb, you know, it's a, it's a decent grade. And I think that's, that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, Oh, these, these folks are super strong. And that's, that's where you can really see it. And you could see the difference like between Pitcock and Vanderpool. That was a section going back to what you were saying, Zach, about is he the same as he was before? That was a section where he excelled and he just attacked every, every chance he had in years past. And he just, didn't have it this year. So bringing it back to the short track, I think LeCompte is scary in the all-around skills that she has, similar to Pitcock, where you look at it and you go, oh, this guy can climb. Well, he's also a classics racer. I think LeCompte, if you put her on the road, you'd be putting her in those same one-day classics, and I think she would have a, a chance to do well. The last, the last point I want to just get in here on the short track, it's interesting you talk about Haley Batten out there and, and having that confidence and sort of going all out in the short track. And I was able to, to um, get a uh, trackside uh, a, a peek at, at her kind of training for this in the, you know, you talked before about the uh, fat tire crits that they, they have during the epic rides. And when she was on cliff, 
same exuberance. She was like, I am ready to go. I'm going to be on the front of the, you know, and Chloe Woodruff would sometimes play her pretty well and like lead out and then let, and then it'd be the two of them. And she just let Haley do all of the, all the work on the front, like just super game to go out there and crush it. And she was doing that for the first couple fat, uh, crit, fat tire crit races. And, you know, Katarina Nash finally was like, uh, Hey girl, let's talk about this. Um, we need you at the end. So, uh, let's, uh, let's rate the race this a little with a little less exuberance. And, um, I think, you know, you talk about, is this a North American sport? I think she got a lot of great training from people who have been doing it for years on how to really tactically race this kind of race. And I think, I think we saw that pay off. So should we stick with the ladies and go to Sunday, 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 um, I don't know. Uh, I thought, uh, I think everyone knew uh, what the, the score was. I think everyone knew what was going to happen. Uh, I give Kate Courtney a lot of credit. I think like both last week and especially this week, she went in and she did. I mean, in my piece, I kind of compared uh, LeCompte to what you have to do to Vanderpool. And, you know, we've seen it in cyclocross that if you don't do anything to get him off the front, he's just going to drop you and kill you. And I it, totally unfair uh, to make that a comparison. But I think in terms of racing style, I think we all kind of knew what was going to happen. And Kate Cordy, to her credit, like she kept trying to pass LeCompte and tried to take away first. And um, I don't know. I just I love that grit. I love I love, you know, that's who Kate Courtney is. And that's how she races. And I kind of love that she was the one who kind of answered the bell and was the one looking to do that. I have, I have a, a, a related but possibly counterpoint to this that I actually want to throw at Elizabeth. She do you think that she was a little too focused on this to especially Haley's detriment at the beginning of this race you came into that first descent and kate was taking no prisoners and kind of opened up a little bit of a gap getting a little little rowdy in one of those uh turns coming down and i'm gonna say chopped batten in in one of the corners and really had her off her line and 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 slowing down there and it almost you know we hate to see what happened to kate but i think it her later issues kind of may have been a little bit of a relief this week for Kate. I mean, for Haley going forward. Yeah. I, I think to me, Kate look, looked a little maybe shook from last week going into this week. And like she, you know, really wanted to improve upon last week's performance um, and make clear that she's still got it and she's still, America's sweetheart. Um, and I think, you know, I don't think anybody's doubting that. But uh, yeah, I think she, you know, I you know, I agree. It's great that she was really going after it and saying like, all right, we can't let LeConte get away. Let's let's go at it hard. And but I think it it made her a little it was it was a little wild um, at the beginning in in ways that I think, you know, it was just also just a course where clearly Getting a little wild style sometimes on a muddy course pays off. This was not the case. Um, and I mean, some of the crash, like w- it wasn't the same spot that Kate crashed, but a few people crashed. Um, I think Forrester crashed and Nino crashed on the double line rooted section. I mean, it just looked awful, like super slick roots. Like it's just not, you aren't going to be rewarded for getting wild. And I think. Kate had a little bit of that sort of frenetic energy 
early and then obviously, you know, the crash and, you know, all credit to her for one, dealing with a hell of a mechanical change in the pit and to, you know, Brad and her crew for changing a whole master cylinder um, extremely quickly. And then she chases back and then gets the flat and keeps going. I mean, that's the mental fortitude there um, is is very impressive. But I think it's I, I, it looked like she was had nervous energy at the beginning instead of just sort of, you know, letting it happen. And then I, I think, you know, she dabs on that turn going into the start finish at a point where she still was within striking distance of closing the gap to LeCompte. And then that, that was, that was it. Like a small dab. I mean, man, eight and a half minutes, eight, eight thirty five. the race was. So I thought it was, I, I guess I was, I guess I kind of, you know, Elizabeth, we talked last week about knowing, looking back and being like, was the race really that over? And I guess for me, it was, I had expected the two of them to be able to close the gap by the time they got to the tech feed zone. Um, on that slight incline and LeCompte had expanded her lead, which was really interesting because she kind of looks back and she doesn't att- like, so it's very interesting watching her race. Cause I think like, you know, like Vanderpool would have been out of the saddle sprinting. Like that's a moment where your opponent made a mistake. You put in a dig, you get up and out. She's just like, no, I'm just going to like accelerate away with no, no motion. Like just so incredible. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like, once they got to the tech feed zone, I was just like, Oh yeah, we're we're playing for second here today already. <laughs> so this actually brings me to I was going to have a noob question of the episode today, and so I focused on Kate Courtney's crashed, and I mean she crashed and she busted her brake, whatever, and like so in mountain biking, you don't have another bike, right? You you have to finish on the bike you started with. I believe that's the the rule book. Um, so like. I don't know. I guess that was sort of my, my point that I wanted to bring up for some people who's maybe new to mountain biking like, like me. is like, yeah, you can't just run in there, swap up a bike, and then come around and your mechanic fixes it the next time. You got to sit there and stand there in that excruciating time and wait. Well, you you want to know what's worse than that? There are purists out there who still are pissed off that there are mechanics helping them. I mean, it used to be all, you know, self you had to fix it yourself. You had to be in there fixing your own bike and, and, and then getting back out there. She, she took death before DNF to a whole new level in that race. I, I swore there were a couple times, you know, well, I mean, if, yeah, having a whole brake lever shifter swapped out like Brad and Freeshi just doing an insane job getting that thing done and then flatting and still in it and still not giving up once she was back in there. She still had like 20 or 30 kills, you know, moving back up uh, by the time she got back into the race. So just, yeah, amazing to, to just keep going. I mean, that's, you know, that's why she's a world champion because she's, she's doing that. And, and to go back to, to Lolo, which I love that. I love that nickname. Uh, Lolo LeCompte. Uh, she, she, her upper body doesn't move when she climbs. She's just so smooth and so effortless. It, 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 it seriously looks like she's like riding an e-bike and everybody else is, is just struggling on a regular <laughs> mountain bike. I'm not implying anything, <laughs> but... No, are you... I made the joke that Pitters might have been riding his e-bike um, <laughs> at that race. And look, I mean, I, this, the way she rode up those... The, I mean, 
this race had the climb in the mud with the yeah. roots and coming from a cyclocross fan you're watching these mountain bikers and they're getting off their bikes and at first i'm like what why are they like you've got a pie plate in the back there like can't you just shift up into a higher gear and i, and I realize it's, it's really freaking yeah. steep and you've got to keep traction on your back wheel but it was interesting to to see the, the riders go through that and then i shared a link with you guys with this this red bull uh recap video and they had some really great like close-up footage of that section and you just realize how squirrely it is and it's just it is mountain biking is pretty amazing and you talk about those skills like those technical skills you have to ride that stuff i'm just blown away um the other fun thing of course was seeing when they had to dismount which one of these ones were cross riders and which ones were getting off on the dirty side well and not just that but when to dismount So, you know, this is such a key skill in cyclocross that's like the difference between amateurs and elites in many cases. And then elites and real pros is knowing, you know, dismounting and not losing speed as you dismount. And credit to Haley Batten, who got better at this as the race went on, not worse. (laughs) Oh, God, she was Um, so bad at the beginning of the race, especially compared to with PFP right behind her. There was one where she did it in the same section he did it like twice in a row and you see pfp uh dismount before um but i guess i wanted after the after the bmx drops like in that big rudy session because i think that was like is that what you're talking no it was around like the i think it might have been around the 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 shimano expert climb climb. yeah yeah Yeah. so interesting michael also the cyclocross skills we saw Running, I think, played a huge role in the top five. And I'll give you two cases. One, I think Haley Batten, Mike, like she's like Brandian. I mean, her running was incredible. And I just kind of wonder if it's that cross training, that cross country skiing. And I, I'm guessing that she's just a well-versed athlete. But like, I mean, I'm not going to say that like being able to run clinched her Olympic spot because it was she had to finish top eight. But like you can make an argument that she solidified her trip to the Olympics with this skill running that isn't necessarily part of the sport. Um, But then PFP, I felt so bad for her. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I mean, all the credit in the world for her taking the start line and being back. Um, But, oh, she was hurting. I felt for her. Yeah, you talk about her remounts at the end. Her remounts at the end were just were, were brutal. I mean, she was just like losing time like crazy there. I mean, even if she, maybe she started well in the beginning, but you could see how much she was hurting. Yeah, remounting um, a full suspension bike also sucks. If you have not tried it, it is absolutely <laughs> not like remounting a cross bike. So, like, the seat's a lot higher unless you've remembered to drop your dropper, which you probably didn't remember to do because you were trying to dismount your bike. Like, it's just, it's very awkward. So, um, especially being tired, I don't blame them for sloppy remounts. But the dismount makes all the difference and not, you know, being able to keep pushing. This was also something that I was, you know, if we're going to critique running in a mountain bike race um, while we're here, so we might as well. But, like, the... the, it was driving me crazy watching all of them push just by their handlebars and not, like, I think... Uh, Flickinger was the only one who was like, or maybe Sink also was holding their top tube to push because you don't want your, all of your drivetrain bouncing around over these big rocks and all this. Like, I mean, chains don't drop Mm. as much as they used to, but still like, it's a lot better to push your bike 
by holding one on the bars and one on the top tube. And so I'm like watching all these like, oh, my God, your whole bike is like bouncing around like crazy back there. Next, le- next level. I mean, maybe if, and they, unfortunately they had all gone for, they were all riding full suspension because of the course. But if it had been a hardtail course, next level would have been if like Evie throws it over her shoulder and shoulders her bike or whatever. But Elizabeth, <laughs> that's an excellent point. Like, I mean, I guess the standard that we're used to in cyclocross is kind of the two hand push. I think, you know, I think of like Katie Compton is just like the master of like the two hand push, but that's always up slick, muddy, not super rooty. Um, but if you do have to like, I mean, it was ridiculous, like trying to run with the cleats on and how slick those rocks were. But that's an excellent point that you make that controlling the back uh, was was super important. I was going to say the other thing, too, is I guess Cena Fry was not happy. Um, I read that was her race report through through her sponsor of all people was like she really didn't like the the getting on and off the bike. I mean, I, I don't want to do it, but I mean, a height thing. I don't you know, maybe it's rough being being she's pretty short, five, 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 one and. Uh, she it's is not, like not going to be ra- any lighter. She's not going to be racing any cyclocross anytime soon. I don't think. Yeah, as opposed to Evie, who just absolutely loved it, and the the interesting one too, watching the U twenty three race, and I think somebody who took advantage not only of cyclocross skills was Harriet Harnden, who finished fifth in that race, but then. Holy cow, somebody who's like so just chomping at the bit to get to the enduro circuit, like on the downhill, she was just like. I, I, I bet she was in the green for every one of those those descents that, that kept her in the top five. But here's my question for you all. We're talking about all the cyclocross racers and if the uh, running is going to help them. Did it help Blanca Vosh? We already know from the hypotenuse she does not like to run. So does this is this just like a wash for her in this race? She finished third. She beat Puck. I mean, she beat, she beat the Ginge. I don't know. I mean, I think third is... As I'm good sure. as I mean, that's yeah. a good result. Like you like running in sand. That's different. <laughs> well, so here's like I, I'll just say this: why I I guess I like the wild card of these conditions, and here's why. And it's not just necessarily because I'm a cyclocross fan, which is obviously like <laughs> uh, you know we love that. But I, I think that as a mountain biker. If you are where I live, at least, if you're getting good and getting practice in bad conditions, it means you're an asshole who's riding the trails when they're closed. And so I kind of like that it throws this wild card that like you can't necessarily practice it. And we can get into maybe this is the American problem when it comes to cyclocross. But like I like that it it forces riders to, to embrace the suck and to embrace the challenge and have that Evie Richards, you know, Jen Jackson, shout out to her, got her career best performance. And I was, I was texting her uh, the day before the race and she was giddy. She was like, everyone I pre-rode with hated me. I was so excited to be out in these conditions. And she was actually bummed like Evie <laughs> that the conditions were better. So I like that wild card. Like, can you ride your bike? Can you embrace challenging conditions? Can you learn corners that you're used to railing? Can you figure out on the fly how to take them? And I, to me, it's super interesting. Well, one note from Haley Batten's post-race interview, she goes to college in Squamish, and Squamish is like wet trails all the time, getting wild style. So she was going to be comfortable with wet routes and slick descents and slick trails. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, Zach, I also, you know, used to live in the Midwest and suffer trails that were never rideable when wet i'm now live in a big city in philly where you also don't ride the trails when they're wet because if six million people ride wet trails they get damaged 
Um, but those times that I've been in places that are rockier or where you are allowed to ride the wet trails or done wet races, like it is a totally different experience. And the people who are accustomed to doing that have a huge advantage. So when I heard that in Haley's post-race interview, I'm like, ah, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> hey, it was, cool. yeah. it was all the West, West Coast of mountain folks who hated the 2012-2013 uh, uh, mountain bike nationals in, uh, in Pennsylvania, the old East Coast rocks. Here, I, I, I do want to like just a couple of things on this track to, to what you're saying, Zach, about about the conditions. I think that this race really set up the perfect balance. Like we saw worlds last year in 2020 worlds. It sucked. You know, it was too much running. It was too much just off the bike. It was too much uncontrolled descents where you never, you know, there were no lines and you were just sort of like closing your eyes and hoping, hoping for the best where this was, this really relied on those skills, you know, it relied on a certain amount of dismounts. And I think that it, what the, the point of this race that I think won it for Lecomte. She was going to win. She was more powerful than anything. But it, it was that section after the BMX drops where you came around. I think you mentioned it earlier, Elizabeth, where, where there were these two lines and it was really roots. And I think Haley like went just square into one of them, came to a dead stop, and then had to. And that's when PFP I think was right up on her wheel. We saw the same thing in the men's race where Pidcock had had it dialed you know he he took the right line he took that lower line and was able to sort of come out of it and was running up it with momentum and it really took advantage of those skills and that was that section of the course that i just i loved because it was it was the most technical spot and you had to get it right and we saw so many gaps just come from from that area so i'm 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 with you zach it's a great it's a great track when it's dry but yeah this was this was really exciting and it's gonna be a tough one to top so to fast forward uh, a little bit, getting to the end, I think we were also in the Slack channel <laughs> having a discussion about was this race compelling? And I said, as a journalist, no, because it was Lona LeCompte. That's it. That's that's the tweet. Uh, but we had a banger for a second, and I think it was really compelling. And the uh, especially going back and watching it, I found it super compelling. And I think that they did a great job. Um, but we we so we had this hot second where I thought last time we were going to be talking about Rebecca McConnell. She came on strong and just exploded in a supernova in the hot heat and just like shot backwards. Um, but she was back, <laughs> uh, and she was a player. But uh, Elizabeth, I want to ask you this: I. Uh, we have this thing on the media pit um, and um, that Michael started and it's, you know, is Lauren Sweck elite? And my question is, is Rebecca McConnell elite? I absolutely think she's elite. I think it is a, uh, I, so I went to worlds in Mont St. Anne uh, where she damn near won it. Um, and I remember thinking at that point, like, man, I have not given this woman anywhere near enough credit. But she's always, like, she's in the top five so frequently. She's in the top ten almost always. And is, she's, like, super, super consistent. And she can really turn out a banger ride. And I think often gets uh, overlooked or overshadowed. And I have a bit of a theory on this that is uh i think she's got she's on a smaller bike brand she's australian she's not out there doing all sorts of her own media um 
have I could go on for a lot of reasons on why I think that may or may not be happening, including potentially that, you know, she and her husband are both doing this and maybe she's not as a marketable or an appealing single young woman to market. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe not. Maybe she just doesn't need to. Maybe she's not under any obligation to. And it's a ton of work to do all of that content production. But I think she kind of flies under the media radar in some ways or the public's imagination around this in some ways and gets counted out in ways that I don't think she deserves to be. And then you watch her race into Vemesto and damn, I mean, she looked really good. She did really well. Haley did not walk away with that second place by any stretch. Um, So, yeah. Can you see her in the current, can you see her winning a World Cup? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think it's, I think it's tough because I think Luana is like, if, if this question in 2019, absolutely. I think the Luana factor has made it a little bit hard for me right now to see anybody else winning a World Cup. Um, but because also because I feel like kind of going back to what we were talking about, like, is Luana a climber? Like, what is she not? Because I haven't seen right. it. Um, so I think, but everybody has a bad day or bad luck sometime. Not that that should be why Rebecca McConnell wins, but I think she has it in her to win a World Cup for sure. So I just have to say that I, I the chime in, you call me, you tag me in, Zach. I, I think she sounds like a subtopper. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, until she wins, right? I mean, you saw like, uh, I don't know, she finished third at Worlds, but she got punked by Ava Lechner. Um, you know, she was in solid second and she faded pretty hard uh, in the last lap. I don't, I think you might be right, Mike. That's why... She is more consistent, though. That That is the ultimate conundrum of, of Lauren Sweck. So the other thing I want to do before we move to the men's race, like, yes, Bill. Yes. <laughs> A couple things to add about Beck McConnell before we move on. One, she, <laughs> you know, she was on track for several years, uh, had some success there, was promising in the U23s before that. M- my theory on her is especially this year is that as weird as it sounds, the pandemic may have helped her in that Beck and Dan love to race bikes. I mean, they absolutely over anything love to race bikes and during mountain bike season, they do not take a weekend off. They are racing every freaking race. If there is a small race in Austria, they're going to go race it. If there's the one the next day in Switzerland, they're going to be there racing it. And they just do it weekend after weekend after weekend. And I'm not the first to argue this, but I would just repeat the argument to her detriment, I think, that she is just overtrained in in some of these bigger races and doesn't come into top form. So if, if she is getting this rest, I think that she's always going to be a threat up there. As far as like the media side of it, this is going to be a, a complete stereotype. I think that Australian athletes take this a little differently where they don't understand the the whole social media, media stuff. I mean, they, they, they have a good social media presence, but at the same time, it's performance first. And I think that's really what they are they are focused on and that's 
That's what I think that's about. a yeah, totally fair. I'm probably reading a whole lot more <laughs> into it than is actually there. But also, I think to your point, Bill, like having a partner to train with and ride with throughout, you know, the whole pandemic that's in your household, no matter what lockdown conditions you might be under. I mean, it definitely helped me out this past year to have that, have my husband be somebody I really like riding mountain bikes with. So I don't doubt that that's also been um, a super helpful condition. I, I want to say that I don't, I don't, I don't know Rebecca McConnell, obviously I'm the noob here, but I feel like, if you're someone who likes to race a lot like that, it literally is your personality. Like there is no other way. Like there is no not racing and just saving it for like a different race because that's not who you are as a person. And that would somehow that mentally you would, that would affect your performance. So maybe like that, it like this is Rebecca McConnell and that's where she's at. I don't know. That's completely <laughs> Bill doesn't agree. <laughs> finish my point i feel like this is this like this is a metaphor for like where i'm going with this of getting sidetracked when i want to do a thing so it's been established that mike bill you guys are great at coining nicknames you know uh you know bill you know pitters michael you came up with picante you came up with little glow plugs i mean you guys are on a roll and i i'm, I'm terrible I suck. I just haven't been able to do it. So here's my proposal based on the last two weekends for Haley Batten proposing that we call her the closer because two weeks in a row, she turned in killer last laps and took third over Kate Courtney last week. And she absolutely buried Becca McConnell in the last lap this week. So that's my proposal. Haley Batten is the closer. And next, next time we just hope she's a little closer. Ah, no, like not even like you know the Batten, the Slugger. I don't know. Okay, all right. I, I, I mean, forgot, I, I look, I'm terrible at doing the nicknames. I, I don't have the I right. don't have the skills that you guys do. The closer is I'm good. Just, I'm it's throwing very it accurate. Up there. You didn't go. You didn't go with the comet. Yeah. Oh, I yes. Ooh, yeah. The comet. I mean, I will say the 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 closer does sound like a John Grisham novel, so I feel like it's right there on the supermarket aisle. You're walking, you're like, boom, the closer. Haley, Haley. But Benton. like, like little glow plugs made sense. Like you didn't, we didn't make a play off Claire's name or whatever. It was like, it was like right. based on how she raced. It was like you know analogous, I like and I think there could be argued that you know Picante, Picock is you know he spices things up. Like I think you know it's 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 not He's just a spicy boy. It's not like derivative like right, a, a punny we need to get to this men's race <laughs> we are already earlier hour. than we did last week we i have all we have all these other things that we wanted to talk about including olympics and everything else i i almost would like to uh table those maybe until next week why don't we just and, there's no racing so why don't we just come yes. back and yeah we'll do olympic that. special yes Right. Perfect. Okay. Men's race. Uh, so I'll just start it off. Uh, last week we saw <laughs> our boy, MVDP, goes out hot, and he also exploded like a supernova. And, you know, like if you're a typical bike racer, you might do some self-reflecting. You might talk to your coach and they might say, hey, brah, like, <laughs> don't think that was good strategy. Maybe we want to rethink our strategy, rethink how we're doing. Matthew Vanderpool's like, nah, I'm going to do that again. 
Is that Michael because he's a? That's how he races bikes, and it's the only way he knows how, and he can't change. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I think so. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. I will say how he how he benefited though. I was really quick. I think last week, you know, he turned around and there's Avancini, um, who I guess I was I was just reading a pink bike. There was some like um, spawn con, and he was described as humble, which I thought was hilarious. And there were like people in the comments were like, "You have a gold helmet and you haven't won an Olympic gold," and they were like, "That's the most ridiculous thing anywhere." Anyway, Avancini thinks he's the shit. He went out Wait, with Vanderpool. He did, yeah. Avancini has a gold helmet and he wasn't the Olympic. Correct. That's that's not no. <laughs> See what I'm straight, saying? Straight to yeah, jail. Exactly. Straight so you jail. agree with straight to jail. You should jump in those pink bike comments. Michael, uh, it really didn't take you long to figure out Avancini. <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> so anyway, so Vander- I was a little worried. I, mean, I said last I like, episode oh that I liked him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so Vanderpool turns around and there's Avancini and he's just like oh crap like also it's really hot this is not the guy I want with me like he didn't bring out the guys he wanted this time though a couple it took a bit but then Pitters was there and it was like game on I think he had his he had his boy um to help break that apart early would you guys not agree I just say I think it was a different course and I think that it it wasn't that as big of a climb and he didn't like he didn't bite off more than he can chew right away and he was uh, I do think that he actually felt better. And I think we saw that in, well, I guess the short track was the same result, but it just seemed like we had a little bit of a more rested, stronger Vanderpool. And when he went out, uh, he was ready to go and he was ready to, he was ready to tango with, with pitters. And I just, he unfortunately has found, he just brought along the guy who was born to do mountain biking. So. Yeah, it is. It is funny what, where we are at with Matthew Vanderpool. And especially we saw it in the, in the commentating for, for this race with Rob and, and, and Bart. And, and I understand it. I, I mean, this is, this is somebody, you know, we talked about it earlier, but this is somebody coming into their playground and they're trying, they are trying to somehow talk about his flaws and how I think at Bart at one point was like, well, Vanderpool really doesn't descend very well and he can do it for a lap or two. But after a while, those other guys, you know, are going to be able to capitalize it on it. And I'm like, Bart, if Tom Pitcock, also not according to you, a mountain biker, isn't here, (laughs) Vanderpool's leading the race. I mean, it's not this, you know, you are you are taking this this um, these putting this on him that you're not putting on any other rider out there. It's just this narrative that that does not work. I agree with what you said earlier, Zach, and that I don't think I think Vanderpool looked much better than last week. I think the weather helped him. I think you're absolutely right. This course was better for him. Um, Zach, was it too muddy for Vanderpool? We know he doesn't like the mud. I was really wondering if that was going to come up. Did you tweet about this, Bill? I was like today. I was like, did Bill do a mud tweet? I did not. I missed my opportunity that Matthew Vanderpool can't race in the mud. Well, it did dry out a little between the women's and the men's race. So maybe if he had been racing earlier, it would have been officially too muddy. But but yeah, no, I think I mean, I I think it's Vanderpool looked so much better than he looked in Alpstadt. Pidcock just had a little bit more and he's 50 pounds lighter. Like, right. Oh, I don't know. Floats he floats over those roots and mud just like Lecompte. I mean that yeah. that sort of is what I my big takeaway. Yeah, and being lightweight on a course that's slick and technical like that, and being able to you know if you've got the skills 
to float like that and handle your bike like that. And you can be really light on the pedals on a wet technical climb. That's going to be a huge benefit. Um, It's not about power up those climbs. Like, I mean, yes, you need power, but like, it is not about sheer power. It's finesse over the, like the slickness and it's yeah. Pidcock just had it. So this has been kind of a recurring theme uh, as we've been going on watching Vanderpool. I mean, uh, we saw him say again after the short track, he's like, oh, I didn't I didn't have good legs, which has just kind of been. I don't remember the last time Vanderpool has said I had good legs, which um, but you talking about that climb, like when Pitters dropped him, Pitters just looked so smooth and was spinning at a much higher cadence. And Vanderpool's pedaling just looked chunky. Like he was, I would use the term belabored. Um, like, I, I don't know. I just, I'm getting concerned. Like, and it's obviously better for the bike racing because he's not just Ooh. blowing people out of the water, but it seems like he just does not have that snap. And I, he hasn't had it. I mean, he wasn't doing the things he did to people during cyclocross season. He was winning. Uh, for him, it's like winning ugly, you know? I mean, he was doing what he needed to, um, but he wasn't blowing people away i don't know i'm just i'm concerned if you look at the lap times in both of these races you know it was, it was super pronounced at offshot but even here and here it happened with three to go is he he kind of falters and he has a bad lap and he he almost needs to be able to recover for that and come back which he did so he lost pretty much everything with you know four to go he was 20, 30 seconds down. And then you look at three to go, he put in a 1254 lap uh, and uh, Pitcock's putting in a 1208. I mean, not even close. But then he turns around and puts in two of the fastest lap times of the race for the next two laps and is, is faster than Pitcock for that finish. So it's, it's really, you know, Pit, and again, credit to Pitcock, he hurt him and he got it in, but I think he put Vanderpool into the red and it took him it took him a while for for him to recover and, and and get back in there and that's that's great you know and it's it's the other thing we always talk about with how do you beat Matthew Vanderpool and you just can't let him race his race you can't let him dictate you know that's the thing whenever he's pressured is when you have an opportunity to have him make a mistake and i think that's Pitcock knows that you know i mean this is it's it was this was the Namor strategy, but it worked. This was the Havra strategy, <laughs> but it, you know it works. It's like I'm going to get out there, and basically it's up to you to to catch me. Well, I like that you brought up Namur because I felt like in a way that Vanderpool kind of played him, um, letting him dangle off the front, and I felt like Pidcock played Vanderpool in the second lap because he kind of sat in like he, Pidcock let. Vanderpool do the work and then it was I think in the third lap where he just exploded past him and I think part of it I have Fluky uh, Matthias Flukiger deserves a lot of credit dude is racing phenomenally well and he's getting overshadowed but in that third lap Fluky was coming up hard like he was bridging that gap and I think it was that point that maybe Pitters was a little bit like all right I played you it's time to to let's let's get not let this guy get back in so I don't know. I'm, I, I, so I'm glad I was thinking about Namur as well for that similar reasons. Well, and when, you know, later in the race, when Flicky catches Vanderpool, it reinvigorates yeah. 
Vanderpool's racing. Like, I think it's it's kind of funny because, you know, he can, Vanderpool can be way off the front by himself and seemingly fine at keeping things up um, and keeping a very consistent tempo. But then I, it's that, like, you know, there have been so many times over Vanderpool's cyclocross career where there are these sort of disappointing, like, well, he's not winning, so let's just watch all the air let out of the balloon and he's gone. But this was, you know, he's sort of aimless... There's one of my favorite ever um, Belgian is Sporza, like Renat Schoda comments that is like, so in Dutch, the direct translation for this, and it was used in reference to Tom Musen, was that he was hanging out like a rag of ham, um, which meant that you're just like in the gap between the front guys and the back and like you're no you're nowhere close to anyone else. It's like a beautifully weird Flemish expression. Um so Vanderpool was kind of being a rag of ham and then Flickinger catches <laughs> catches up to him and then he's totally reinvigorated and then they're going at it and he's having fun again and Yeah. I I think my know. I think I actually at that point commented on the race that this is the hardest we've ever seen Matthew Vanderpool race for second place. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Flicky, by the way, also a sometime cyclocross racer who put on a cyclocross race. Yeah. He's uh, I mean, he got those skills in EKZ. Series. Yep. For sure. Yeah. So I'm glad we're on Flukey because I like Flukey a lot. I like him as a racer. Um, he seemed, he's kind of a short little guy and he's like stocky. And I just, and he, like you said, Elizabeth, he's been doing the work and been riding well. Um, is this the same Flukiger who was in the Behind the Barriers with J-Pow season two, season one, who came to the States and raced cross? Might have been his brother. Was... His brother Lucas okay. is a little bit more serious a cross racer than he is, but it could have been him too. I think maybe it was his brother. Okay, that's that's what I remember. Okay, I just that was a nice tie back to um, some of my first uh, years in cyclocross. Well, I feel so. like he's. I mean, isn't correct me if I'm wrong. Hasn't he finished second at Worlds the last two years in a row as well? I mean, I feel like we're <laughs> we're sleeping on the guy. Um, one thing he's really good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's really. But that's good. just like the that's kind of like the Vanderpool and Pidcock and Woutization of bike racing is you can be really good at the best of, you know, at the top of your game. Um, but if those guys are at the races, they're probably beating you and they're definitely getting all the attention. Like it, it, it sucks. I feel bad well, for him. He's, <laughs> he's been the second Swiss rider to Nino for all of Nino's career. So, right. okay. you know, which is like still actually gets me whenever I see Saru in the rainbow stripes. I'm like, Oh, there's Nino. No, that's actually not Nino anymore. That's Jordan Saru now. Which I was also, I, I guess, you know, one thing to say there that's just an aside on that is it is nice to see that Saru getting the rainbow jersey wasn't a fluke. Like, he's having a good season, which is great. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say, is Saru wearing the world champ stripes like Thalita DeLong wearing those in cyclocross? In what sense? Well... At first, I didn't think he was up in the mix in, the, in some of the races, but now looking at the results this weekend, he was. So he's like, Delita DeLong won the world championships, and then did she ever yeah, race? Yeah, well, that's again? what I meant. Like, I mean, he's I, still, you know, he's still in there. He's still, it's not like he's just showing right. up. He's not like, thanks for the jersey. See you next year at the world champs. Like, he's, right. he's there yeah, every yeah, weekend. Yeah. And he's good. I still think it was a surprise that he won the world championships. I don't think he was on many people's betting card for that. 
Uh, but, you know, it, it, it does bring up uh, maybe possibly in mountain bike cir circles that we are burning the lead here that Nino did not finish on the podium. And this is the first time in I don't know how long that he did not A finish decade, on. Yeah, maybe. Right. Th this was huge that he's not there and, you know, finished seventh and just. It's something. It's something. Time. It's something big. He had a rough time, but and you could say, well, it's just one of those races. But this is a guy who's never had one of those races until now. It's just super impressive. The last, the last little tidbit that I had on on this race, Andre Sink finishing up in fourth place. The Changler. My argument. The Changler. My argument <laughs> that the Changler, with a crowd, with a Czech crowd, would have been on the podium. Yeah, I Love think it. you're right. I wouldn't there. There is there was a moment where in the commentary where Brent was like, "Sink doesn't look like he's riding these technical sections." And I'm like, "Are we watching the same race? Because he's looking pretty darn good, Bart. Like he looks like he's riding quite well." Uh yeah, I think the crowd would have made a huge difference for him. I mean, it was it's kind of, and I think Bill, you talked about this last week, but. You know, Kulhavi would be having like not a great season and come into Novomesto and do really well based on the sheer willpower of the Czech public. Like it's just, and it was it was great to see Sink having a great race, um, even in absence of like a true crowd. We talked about tail whips earlier, and I guess my somewhat lighthearted observation is I think there's like this, uh, there's a, the, the momentum factor of the tail whip that I noticed in this race and whether or not you do it. So Vanderpool, the beginning of the race, he's feeling great. You know, there was the, there's the left line where you go over the hump and there's the whip line and, and he totally just sent it in the first lap, which was just hilarious. Like at the prologue, um, that he had that confidence, but like, so fluky on the, I guess you're calling it the BMX downhill, the, the Cannondale lefty jumpy right. section is what I called it. The drops that look like not much on TV, but look like if you actually take a close look are insanely big drops. Right. So lap four fluky passes Vanderpool. He's feeling good. Like he's on the move. Like he passes Vanderpool he whips on the last one, which I think is insane because like I would be holding on for dear life. But like that is confidence that he whipped next lap. Vanderpool had passed him. There were no whips. Oh, no. He just went straight down. Uh, so I think it's like I think it's like a heat check, Bill. Uh, and we saw where Pitters was getting the love at the end for his whips because he had things on lock. But I'm guessing that Pitters was more focused on racing uh, before that. Uh, so I don't know. It, to me, it's like the whip is a heat check. And I, I, I liked the confidence from Fluky to throw one in there as he's passing Vanderpool. Because uh, there was then that section where he attacked. Everyone's like, oh, and Vanderpool didn't respond right away. But then he kind of recovered and, you know, Flukiger didn't do the thing. But I think Fluky was trying to send a message there. Yeah. Hitter's almost with the tabletop on that last one. I mean, he is, he is pretty much horizontal coming across it on, on the final lap, which is pretty... It, 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 I know he won and gotten caught, but it was that wasn't there the uh, snowboard, the snow woman snowboarder in the Olympics? It sort of reminded me of that. I was like, "All right, buddy, let's just let's just take it down a notch here. Let's not do anything catastrophic right before the finish." But didn't didn't matter. He was he was good. The last thing about this that I I think did not get enough play, and it was probably because there wasn't any crowd there. The defining feature of Novamesto is what used to be called uh, 
Mita's Choice, which was this huge rock drop with these different lines down it. They've removed like 75% of the rocks. They took away the, the, the grandstand that used to sit next to it. And it just, it confused the hell out of me every lap because I kept waiting for it. And then I finally figured out, oh, it's just this little, you know, uh, just a dumbed down rock section, which I, I, I would like to know the story behind why that is no longer there because it just, it just seemed like it was a, a marquee feature of that venue for, for years. Yeah, I mean, famous for some pretty terrible crashes yeah. for none other than PFP. Um, but yeah, I, that was I really missed that section of the course. Uh, it's it was a, a really cool one to watch, just also because of how many line choices existed in that. And anytime you can see mountain bikers who are at this level facing those choices in at such speed it's just like it's a, a, a masterful and impressive thing to watch um the speed at which they're making these very high risk decisions um in a cross country race like yeah. it's the kind of thing that like you have downhill racers do this um you know in their sleep but to see people on cross country bikes making those kinds of decisions uh it was always one of the things about this course that i thought was the coolest so i know we got to wrap up I'm looking at bill i just Quick panel across the board, guys. Is Pidcock born to ride mountain bikes? I mean, <laughs> on the Scoville scale of, it's a yes or no question. Oh yes, okay, fine. I'm sorry. Do your uh, thing. Okay. Yes, yes. On the Scoville scale, hit me. No, I'm not. Even, I'm not even pre- prepared. Yes, he's a go. He's a ghost pepper for mountain bikes. <laughs> yeah. Bill, I think we should. I think we should wrap things up. <laughs> yes. Before we before we get out, I want to update my comparison from Jordan Saru. Instead of Felita DeLong, it's um, Rui Costa. See you next week. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.